Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. You ever wonder why it's so hard for some people to say no? Uh, for some, it's not as hard. Some of it depends on how we were raised. Whether we were told no a lot or affirmed and thought the world centered around us or depend on whether we were in a negative environment or a positive environment a lot. Some of it depends on, as I shared with you in this week's e-news, our birth order. Some of it depends on how many kids are in the home and consequently how patient or impatient mom and dad is sometimes. So, um, sometimes no is hard for people and there are, there are times in life where it's not only good, but it's essential that we learn how to say no in the right way and, and, and for the right reasons. Today we're going to look at this idea of temptation, saying no to temptation. That should be obvious, I hope, but um, sometimes it's not so obvious to live and put it into place. So turn, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to look at verses 6 to 13 together in this idea of saying no to temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, 6 says, Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in pagan revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. Really encouraging so far, right? These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to us all. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Four things today I want us to glean from this text about temptation. The first is this. Saying no to temptation is easier when we've been warned. It's easier when we've been warned. I'll give verse 11 again. It says, These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us. Written down as warnings for us. Some have to learn from their own failures. But it's far better, a wiser way is to learn from the failures of, and mistakes of others before we ever get that far ourselves. That's why parents are the most effective leaders and influencers in, in every home and to every child because they've been there. And they've seen and done and, and can help us navigate ways that are better than the ways that they've experienced sometimes. So it's better if we learn from others' mistakes instead of ourselves. Luke 4 tells the story of Jesus' temptation in, in the wilderness. And um, I'm sure that's not the only time he was tempted because Jesus was a teenager. He was a teenage boy who likely was tempted to, to go against the will of his parents and, 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 uh, and misbehave as teenage boys are, are wont to do sometimes. Uh, so that's why his, his warning carries the weight that it should. Listen to Luke 12, verses 1 to 3. This is Jesus' warning. He says, Be on guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. 
There's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight, and what you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. His, that, that kind of warning we should heed because, as I said, Jesus was tempted, as we are, as Scripture says, yet without sin. So warnings, whether from Jesus or from someone else, uh, are there for a reason, not the least of which is to save us heartache and regret in our lives uh, from falling, in, falling into sin will oftentimes bring. But it's also, also, those warnings are also there to keep us on a Christ-like trajectory so that we can stay the course and bring honor and glory to him and not be dissuaded by the enemy. It's also important to note, I think, that warning and correction are two different things. We shouldn't see them as the same. Both can have the same desired result, but God warns us ahead of time and corrects us often afterward, not out of anger or disappointment, but out of love. He does that because he loves us. Because saying no to temptation is easier when we have been warned. Secondly, Saying no to temptation requires seeing reality over perception. It requires seeing reality over perception. Look at verse 12 again with me. It says, so if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. If you think you're standing firm, be careful. The implication here is that what we think in, in, in terms of our standing firm is not always the case. Uh, we're not often as good at saying no to temptation as we think we are. The implication here is that we're closer to the edge of yielding to temptation oftentimes than we think we are, and that should teach us to strengthen the things that help us be victorious over temptation uh, in the first place. So going back to revisit Jesus' temptation in, in Luke 4, uh, we learn the key to victory are three words. I've shared this with you before. The words are, it is written. Put in, in a more modern-day vernacular, the Bible says. If we can tell the enemy what the Bible says, story after story in this book, the enemy runs from the truth of Scripture because he knows what it brings him ultimately. And uh, he, he, he cannot deal with, with the truth of God's word. So this, this book is, is our, our best vehicle to, to um, dissuading the enemy and, and being able to say no to temptation. It's, uh, in addition, he wants to convince us that we're stronger than we are. Uh, he, he wants us to have the perception that we have no vulnerabilities, no weaknesses, so that we can withstand any temptation that comes our way when we both know he and us and you and I that that's not true. Uh, he wants to lie to us and tell us, you're okay. You, 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 can, you, can, you can stand against these kind of things. You just, just, just keep doing what you're doing. You'll be fine. Uh, and, and we know that's a lie. We have to see beyond the perception to see the reality. And reality is we're all vulnerable. Reality is we all have weakness. Reality is, is that sometimes we are one decision away from ultimate failure sometimes, especially depending on the consequences and the circumstances, some of which God allows us to see, some of which he doesn't. And, and thank, be thankful that he doesn't oftentimes too. Uh, but we need to see reality over perception. Thirdly, not only does saying no to temptation is easier when we've been warned and requires us to see reality over perception, but thirdly, saying no to temptation is harder in isolation. It is harder in isolation. Look at the first part of verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to us all. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to us all. We just talked about the games the enemy plays with us in our minds as it regards to perception versus reality. Probably the most used weapon in his arsenal is this weapon of isolation. If he can get us alone or thinking we're alone, 
he's got us oftentimes exactly where he wants us. Uh, he tells us that no one will understand and that God has put us on the shelf. We're going to heaven. We got the heaven ticket points, but God can't use you anymore because of your fear. Get on the shelf. Stay on the shelf. That's exactly where you deserve to be. So just stay up there. Keep your mouth shut and life will be fine for you. Uh, because when we are in isolation, we are, we are vulnerable uh, just by, because we're by ourselves. He tells us nobody's going to understand what, what's going on and, and that because of our failures, God can't use us anymore. This verse so reminds us that everybody is tempted, and Paul even includes himself here. He says that uh, you can't be overtaken except what is common to us all, meaning including himself in, in, that, in that case. So that's why when we find ourselves struggling with, with temptation, the first place we need to go is to the church. The last place the enemy wants us to go is to the church. But the first place we should go is to, to the body of believers uh, from whom, hopefully, we receive encouragement and love and stimulation to walk a more Christ-like way. Uh, we're members of the body of Christ, and the body of Christ should be the encouragers to us to pick us up when we're down, to help us not yield to temptation, to, to be stronger in our walk. Uh, and he, the enemy does this by... by causing us to think that judgment is waiting on us at church. And friends, sometimes, sadly, judgment is waiting on people at church, at some churches. Hopefully not here. Because judgment is God's job, not yours and mine. Now, accountability is something altogether different from judgment. And we are called to hold each other accountable to our walk. And, and that's true, but we should, we should, uh, should see our, our connection with the body of believers as Accountability within, within this sandwich of encouragement and love. Sandwiched together with accountability. We can walk with each other as believers to, to hold each other accountable to truth, but yet be encouragers to each other and pick each other up in love. That's the model, the biblical model that the church should heed and walk with. Uh, sadly, judgment may, may be true in some churches, but judgment is God's job, not ours. That's why isolation is the worst place for us. When we yield to temptation, we need to get back connected with the body as quickly as we possibly can, whether that is in group or in worship, corporately or however, that the body is there for our benefit to encourage us and to love us back. Well, not only is saying temptation about warning, seeing reality over perception, and is harder in isolation, but saying no to temptation requires seeing God's deliverance. It requires seeing God's deliverance. Look at the last part of verse 13 with me again. It says, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But watch this. When you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. He'll provide a way out so that we can endure it. Now, notice it doesn't say if you are tempted, but the scripture says when you are tempted, meaning it doesn't matter about your level of maturity or immaturity, whether you've been a Christian 50 years or 50 minutes. Temptation is, is a, a present part of life. It's something that all of us deal with because the, the enemy is is, is on the, on the warpath, and uh, we are in a broken and fallen world. Temptation is not new to anybody. It goes all the way back to the garden when Eve yielded to the, to the serpent in the garden, and temptation has been, has been following every generation ever since then. And so whether mature or immature, we're in a broken world. And, but thankfully, that's not the end of the story. Listen to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted... He is able to help those who are being tempted. Great verse of encouragement. Because he suffered when he, he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. Meaning, 
God doesn't look at us in temptation and say, good luck with that. Hope that works out for you. No, he is engaged. He wants to be involved. And he wants us to see him and see his hand and see his way. He's always there to help us with what verse 13 says is a way out. Now, sometimes that way out looks like a door. It's easy to see. We can get to it and open it and walk through to the other side. And we've gained, we've gained victory over that temptation. Sometimes it's like a window. It's a little harder to get to, a little harder to get open, and a little harder to get out of than a door. But we can, we can make it. Sometimes it it's, uh, can be just a sliver of light, just a sliver of hope, that once we, by faith and in faith, step toward that, can see God's hand more clearly, see his weight, see the opening that he has for us that's more prevalent when we start to move in that direction. There's always a way out, always a way of escape, he says. This is important. Victory over temptation is a, a, an incredible faith builder. And the more victories we have, the more we can start to stack victories on top of each other, the more confidence we, we grow to live with, and the more and easier it is to see the enemy coming and, and defeat him when he does. Um, it's, it is these, these victories that give us, give us the confidence in our faith. The more confidence we develop, the more difficulty Satan has in coming to us and winning uh, with lies, because that's all he is, is a liar. We can and should say no to temptation, but it, it is gaining those victories are a process of maturity. It's a process of seeing God's hand, seeing how he speaks to us, understanding his way out, looking for it, knowing there is one there, looking for it. It's also a part of recognizing the enemy. And that's what brings me to the last couple of takeaways I want to talk to you about. First takeaway is this. Satan always has a tell. He always has a giveaway, a tell. I'm not a poker player. I've never played poker in my life, but I've seen poker being played. And the success of playing poker has less to do about the cards and more to do about reading people to see whether people are lying or telling the truth. Satan is, all, is a master liar, he's, he, and he's good at it, he's crafty at it, but he always has a tell, meaning he has an angle to work with us. He knows our vulnerability, he knows our weakness, he knows which way to, 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 to get our attention the best, and knows when we are at our weakest point, when, as far as timing is concerned, he knows when to come. He always has a tell. When we know what to look for, when we can recognize his tell, we can see him coming. Pick up this book. Have it on the ready when he comes. Uh, it's, it, seeing him coming is, is a huge part of gaining victory in temptation. And we can do that. It, it, as I said, it's a process of maturity, of mileage, of sin. He's coming back at the same old temptation with me again and again, over and over again. And I keep yielding to it. I need to see him coming before he comes, get in his book and prepare myself to deal with him when he shows up. Uh, which leads us to the second takeaway. How easy or hard it is to say no to temptation will reveal where we need the most work. What do I mean by that? Well, for the most part, we are either self-loathing to one extreme or self-serving to another extreme. The enemy knows that. He knows whether we are down on ourselves, whether, whether our countenance and our belief in ourselves and our confidence in our, in our walk is a part of who we are or if we lack confidence and we, and we see ourselves as, as spiritually always half empty instead of half full, he knows that and knows how to time himself to us. So the areas where we need the most work are, 
I, I've jotted down four. You may want to jot these down. You may not, you, if you can remember them. But the, the four areas that we, we will often need work with in effectively to deal with temptation are recognition, prayer, execution, and environment. What do I mean by that? In recognition, it means what I was just talking about, seeing and, and even anticipating the enemy coming at us, anticipating the way he's going to come at us and, and, and the time and, and place uh, in which he's coming. And that's part of recognition. The prayer element is praying our way through the temptation. And not only through the temptation, but ahead of and into the next one. To where the, as the next one comes and, and is around the corner, we can see it more readily. When we are, when we are in, in a spirit and attitude of prayer to the Lord, he's going to give us more communication in that regard as, as a result of our prayer time to see the next temptation coming. So we pray our way through the present one and into and through the next one. This idea of execution has to do with, with the scripture being the most effective weapon we have. And it's great to carry this with you. It's even better to carry it in you. So if you can memorize this book and, and, and phrases and verses of scripture, even if it's just a phrase of scripture, a verse of scripture that gives you victory in that moment of temptation, I'm telling you, he will run. I'm just telling you, he will run. But you've got to have the scripture in your heart and in your mind in order to do that. And this idea of environment, finally, is our proximity to situations and, and, and places where we are the most vulnerable, where we're the weakest. He knows those places as well as we do, and we know those places as well. And if we put ourselves in proximity to temptation, temptation is going to come. I promise you it will. If we can remove ourselves from, from those environments, from those proximities of places where the enemy wants to nag at us and pick at us, we'll be far more effective in our being able to say no and have victory over those temptations. This is not something that's easy. None of this is easy. Uh, if it were easy, uh, a lot more people would be coming to Jesus than they are. But the body of Christ oftentimes is its own worst enemy, sadly. And we, we come away from encounters with the enemy, encounters with the devil, to be encouraged by the body that, that, that never happens. We come away with encounters and failures oftentimes as we've yielded to temptation, thinking, I should be stronger. I, I've been a Christian for 15, 20, 30, 40. I should be stronger than that, shouldn't I? Should not, should not have victory over this area of my life? Should, should, should I continue to re revisit this same ground over and over again? And the answer is no, I shouldn't be walking over the same ground over and over again. But my process of maturity, putting the scripture in place, recognizing proximity and prayer, execution, executing the word of God, putting those things in place, seeing where those areas where I need the most work and putting that work in, I'm telling you, it will pay off. Again and again and again, it'll pay off in your life. You, you'll start to see. You know, I, had, I haven't heard from the enemy, enemy in a while about this. He's not poked around my heart about that. I've not sensed his temptation in, in that in a while. You know why? Because he don't want to lose. And your your victory in the Word and your victory applying some of the principles we looked at this morning will put you in a place of victory. And as I said earlier, those victories when they start to stack on top of each other, you. Grows, and his ability to to get to, to penetrate your perimeter is less and less and less. But we got to put it into practice. It's not to sit here and think about this morning. These are principles we need to put into practice in order for them to work. Uh, temptation is a regular part of life because, as I said earlier, we're in a broken, fallen world. It's not perfect. Heaven's perfect, and nothing else is. And so, 
we're going to be tempted in this in this place in, in, in ways that uh, will the enemy hopefully thinks will will dissuade our witness and our influence. That's exactly why he does that. As we can gain victory with some of these principles, uh, God starts to get glory. We start to walk a more confident, uh, influential life, and the enemy st starts to leave us alone. And that's 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 some cool stuff. Let's pray. Father, none of us are here that have gained total victory when it comes to temptation in our life. That's why these scriptures are so important and relevant. That's why you told us there's always, always going to be a way out. There's always going to be a door, a window, a sliver of hope or light to walk to. You will always meet our need and take care of us to give us the encouragement we need to, to live and walk in victory. Yes, the enemy's real. Yes, he comes after us and will this afternoon, tomorrow, the next day. But the more we walk with you, the more word of your word we hide in our heart and memorize in our mind, the, the more victorious we can live in, in front of you and in front of him and in front of others around us that see us and know we're, know we're a Christian, know we're a believer, and, and wonder how can, how can we seem to be above it all? How can we seem to not be dragged down to the dregs of life and, and walk in self-pity and walk in self-loathing like many do? And but for the grace of God, that would be each, each of us. But because you give us your word, give us your spirit, we can win these battles against the enemy. We can win over temptation. It is not only just possible, it's probable when we put these things into place. Give us the courage to not just read them, not just soak on them, not just digest them, but live them, walk them out, put them into practice and encourage others around us in the body to do the same. Stir that up in us this week, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ. 